clean up on all three. I clean up on all three. Obey, and, and it's, it, well, I'll read the verse. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give account that they may do it with joy, and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Now, uh, obey there means to be persuaded. And I want to make a point here because I came out of a ministry that uh, was years ago that was very strong on submission to authority and ask that you would submit. And typically those kinds of ministries have catchwords that go with them, you know, the, like the restoration of the five-fold ministry from Ephesians 4, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and pastor. Uh, of course, if they would study, they'd know there's only four gifts there, apostle, prophet, evangelist, and teaching pastor. There's a Granville Sharps rule that says those last two have to be the same. Because God won't give a man the gift to be a pastor, a heart for his flock, without giving him the ability to feed them. Gee, I really have a heart for the flock, but they starve. You know? Or God won't give a man an ability to feed the flock without a heart for them. Yeah, I could feed them, but who the heck cares? I'm going, to, I'm going, to, you know, I'm, I'm going camping. Uh, that, that, is a, that is one gift there, pastor-teacher. Uh, well, you know, there are catchwords like that. Restoration of the fivefold ministry, and that immediately starts to establish authority. And then they have ideas that because of their spiritual gifts, they understand things that you don't. And because of that, you need to submit to them. I mean, my wife and I, you know, we, we met in this ministry that was strong in the word of faith. And they were strong in, in uh, confessing this, confessing that, and submitting to authority. I mean, we took our whole paycheck and gave it to the ministry every week. We lived in a communal house. Single people got two bucks a week allowance. Married couples got five bucks a week. And gave every cent we made to the ministry. And if you wanted to see a movie, you had to borrow two bucks from somebody else. You saw the movie, came back and told everybody what it was about. <laughs> and we confessed everything you could confess. And did more than tithe. We gave every cent we made until we were broken sick. <laughs> and then we examined our theology for a good time. <laughs> and that ministry was very strong in submitting to authority. Someone claimed to be an apostle. Look out right away when somebody does that. And I think that the, there were apostles in the governing sense in the New Testament that have never been repeated because their names are in the foundation stones of the holy city of Jerusalem. They had authority to write scripture. They had seen Christ with their eyes. They had a miraculous ministry that bore witness to their apostleship. That has not been repeated. Are there apostles like Luther, someone who is sent with an emphasis yet? But Yes, but they are not governmental. And don't let anybody come to you and say you need to submit to them. Because what you got is a sinner saved by grace with a swollen head standing in front of you telling you that kind of stuff. Do you understand? Because when Christ died on the cross, the veil was rent so that every one of us can go to God. And God ain't talking to me any better than he's talking to you. And one of the struggles in my life is seeking God for direction and saying, okay, now is this the flesh? Is this the spirit? Is this the enemy? And people come up to me and say, you know, I'm seeking God. How do I know whether it's the flesh, whether it's the enemy, whether it's the spirit? Like I have some profound answer. And I say, how am I supposed to know? God wants to talk to you. He knows your phone number. He ain't going to call me. You know, if you got a question about scripture, we'll talk about it. You know what I mean? I, and, and hopefully we'll get some direction. But in, in, in your individual lives. And we were in a ministry that decided, no, you're not supposed to marry that guy. Uh, no, you're not supposed to buy a washing machine right now. Just wait for a while. Then we'll give you permission, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I remember when I first moved to the West Coast, it was a Christian commune again. And my, my, my wife, I didn't know her then, she just seemed so miserable. That's because the elders were telling her she's supposed to marry this other guy who she didn't want to marry. And I'm glad she didn't listen. <laughs> Little rebel. <laughs> she's mine. And you know, it's interesting. People who come out of the word faith movement, what, they're salvageable because they have been presumptuous in their sin and immature in the word. 
And at least they've been presumptuous with God, and you, and you see them come around. People who have come out of authority and submission have a much harder time. Many of them backslide for a period of time because, because some man has taken the place of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Jesus died on the cross so every man could come to God, and every man could have a personal relationship with the Lord. And Jesus is just as interested in talking to you and your personal life as he is Billy Graham or the Pope or Chuck Smith or anybody else. I mean, I've got four kids at home and I love every one of them the best. And I can tell you why I love Joanna the most. I can tell you why I love Mikey the most. And I can tell you why I love Josh the most. And I can tell you why I love Hannah the most. Because I love all of them the most. Now, when someone comes into your life and begins to tell you you need to submit to their authority, look out. Because you get there into an environment where someone gets between you and the Holy Spirit, or between you and the Lord, or between you and the Scripture, and begins to break down the very thing that Jesus accomplished on the cross. And Paul speaks of the enemies of the cross. Are there leaders in the church? Of course there are. Jesus, ministering in Capernaum towards the beginning of his ministry, had people in the crowd run to him. And they said, Master, there is a centurion in our town who is a good man. He's built us a synagogue. And his servant lies at home at the point of death. He loves our nation. Will you come and heal him? And as Jesus was on his way, he received word from the centurion's house, Don't bother yourself. Only speak the word. I'm not worthy that you should come under my house, under my house. I also, very important phrase in Luke 7, I also am a man under authority because I say to one, go and he goes, another come and he comes. Lord, you only have to speak the word. And it's one of the only two times in the Gospels where it says Jesus marveled. He marveled, uh, I believe, at the, the, um, the Syrophoenician woman, and he marveled at this centurion. And he says, I have not found such faith, no, not in Israel. I tell you the truth, many shall come from these to west and sit down at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what he was saying is, this guy understood authority. He said to Jesus, I also am a man under authority. And have men under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, another comes. He said, by watching you, Jesus, I understand that all of the authority of heaven is, is behind you because that is the throne that you're submitted to. I understand that because I bow the knee to Caesar, and because I bow the knee to Caesar, all of the authority of Rome is behind me. And the idea is you and I will walk in the authority of the throne that we have bowed the knee to. And no one who is in spiritual authority, and a, a godly man or a godly woman, need ever ask anyone to submit to them, because they will walk in the authority of the throne that they have bowed the knee of their life to. And when someone walks in that spiritual authority, he need not demand anything, because you'll know in your heart. And you'll be persuaded and you'll follow example. And it won't be the same as someone coming to you in tyranny and saying you need to submit. Now we know that because Jesus, beginning in Mark chapter 10, said that the greatest among you shall be the least and the servant of all. You shall not be like the Gentiles and their rulers because they lord it over one another. He says... In the first chapter of 2 Corinthians, not that we have dominion over your faith, but we are helpers of your joy. At one point, Paul asked Apollos to come as fast as he could, and he says Apollos didn't come because the Lord was leading him somewhere else. He didn't say, you Apollos, you rascal, you need to submit to me. He says, Peter says in his first epistle in the last chapter, that, uh, that we should shepherd the flock of God, not lording it over God's heritage. Forbids the lording over of God's people. Paul says to Philemon, though I could beseech you, though I could insist, yet myself, Paul the aged, yet for Christ's sake, no, for Christ's sake I beseech you, though I could command you, he says, but for Christ's sake I, I beseech you, and for love I beg you. There's no, he doesn't take authority over anyone. And of course, in the book of Revelation, in the second chapter, the only time in the New Testament we have Jesus saying that he hates something, 
Now, he uses the word hate. If you take your concordance and you look up the word hate, you'll find Jesus used the word hate. He'll say, if you don't hate your mother, father, so forth, in comparison to your love for me, you can't be my disciple. But the only place he says, I hate this, is in the letter to the Ephesians, in Revelation 2, to the church at Ephesus, and in the letter to the church of Pergamos. He says, you have there the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Now, there are those who try to tell us about a Bishop Nicole in the early church that had some uh, lascivious doctrine, but that person is non-existent. And we know from the word, like, uh, like Prince of Salem, Prince of Peace, that's what Salem means, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, Nikeo is to domineer, Laetin is the laity, Jesus says, I hate the domineering of the laity. He's calling that church back to their first love. Why would he want someone between him and his people? He says, I hate the domineering of the laity. The priesthood ended when the veil in the temple was rent and there need not be any man between us and God. So watch out when someone comes to you demanding submission to authority. Are there people in the church that God has raised up to minister? Yes. And you can believe me as long as I tell you not to believe me. You can trust me as long as I say, don't trust me. As long as I can say to you, be Berean, study the word of God for yourself, see what I'm saying is true, you're on safe ground. And I have a tremendous confidence if you come to me and say, hey, the Lord's calling us to Baltimore or somewhere else, I can say, great, we can pray for you, send you out, because I know I send you out knowing that the scripture is all the parameter for our faith and practice, and nobody can try to tell you to drink Kool-Aid and go to Jonestown, because you're mature enough to understand the truth and that the truth makes us free. So these are abused verses in some circles, and, and you need to take note of that. Be persuaded. If, if, if David in the Old Testament could say, the Lord is my shepherd, how much more in the New Testament can we say that? There are those that God has raised up to watch for your souls. The idea is in a sense of teaching and, and warning against counterfeits and so forth. As they must give account, and that is a scary idea, let me tell you. Uh, I, I just uh, was taught at a conference in the Midwest for pastors, in and it was in Colorado. There were a number of pastors there. And, of course, you hear a lot of these guys struggling. I'm struggling. I only have 70 people in the church. I'm struggling. I only have 50 people in the church. And I say to them, why? Do you, you, you want to give account for more than 50 people on Judgment Day? You know, I mean, you have to realize what you're saying. Uh, Gail Irwin says, you only have two more people in your church? You should be happy because that's two more than you deserve. Joe Potch, Blue Letter Bible, commentary on Hebrews chapter 13. Elevator music, East West Hollywood Orchestra. Here we are again. Seems like we just did one the other day. Wait a minute. We we did one two um, weeks ago. <laughs> did we leave? I don't know if we left or not, Glenn. The fishbowl is kind of... Uh, we kind of, I like it in here. If we could just stay in yeah, here all day you know and what? do podcasts, that would be I just want to hide from all my problems and stay right here. <laughs> I just, just hanging out. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. You know, Glenn, listening, our last... Mm, however you released it but one of our last shows our last about two. spiritual abuse mm -hmm. okay it's gonna have three parts two two, two parts. parts okay um had a big impact on me and you okay and i know that i'd like to let's unpack and recap a little bit of that we because it started stirring so much glenn and i used to be in a cult Okay, there, I said it, right? You said it. it Not only it that, is what it is. We were in cultic leadership, but we weren't cult leaders. And here's the rule of thumb. If it looks like a cult, if it smells like a cult, if it quacks like, like a, a cult, cult, guess what? It's a cult. <laughs> it quacks like a cult. Yeah, there was a lot of quackery going on. Yep, spiritual and quackery. You know, you know that verse, there's several verses that came to mind. Ooh, ADD, ADD okay. moment. You know, when we were talking to Sarah Beth and she kept bringing something up, I had forgotten how prevalent the gaslighting tactic of using the scripture verses about you can't even know the depth of your own evil, right? Out of right. Jeremiah, I believe. Uh -huh. We were hit with that all day. 
every day, every service. It was like, well, if you want to believe your own stinking thinking, oh, why don't you just, you don't have to understand, just stand under. You That's mind control that techniques. Stuff? That's it mind control. It was total gaslighting mind control, and we bought it hook, line, and sinker, at least for a little while. Remember when the mandate was, well, if you bring somebody to church, they have to come to five services in a row? Yes. That was, was just- Was it three or five? Five. Oh, okay, five. It was five. And that was to wear down the mind, because mm. at first when you would go, like the first time I went, I was like, I'm, I'm not so sure about this. The second time- I was saved, yeah. and but still, I was. There were things that I was not sure about, but the more that you expose yourself to that, and the longer that you're there, the harder it is to get out. And there's a mental, psychological component behind that. And when you start mixing psychology, I mean, there's a lot of truth in psychology, but when you start mixing psychology with the spiritual end, it gets very, very dangerous, really, really quick. Really quickly. Um, we've gotten some interesting feedback off of this podcast can i add back yeah when you just brought that up as far as going five times in a row Mm -hmm. and it brings up this question to me because there's this eerie dangerous parallel of appropriate good things like uh, last week we were talking about narcissism Mm -hmm. that chosenness that sense of grandiosity, even that term probably means in some Latin base would be grandiose or big God big or God. something like that. So if you have a sense of grandiosity that is selfish, that could be a dangerous personality disorder from an individual that wouldn't be the best in leadership, but with a legitimate calling, God calls a man or a woman to something great. Okay, gives them this inclination that you need to go and do this without that toxic self dimension okay when you were talking about even going five times that's another scary parallel because that could be wonderful the enemy could be blinding somebody they've never heard the gospel they don't really see themselves as a sinner they start hearing the law Mm -hmm. they're going like well i didn't think i was that bad but then thou shall not steal hit me like a ton of bricks and going five times could be great to see somebody converted to Christ. But it's like w- w- that that parallel of in the human, we're going to misuse or thwart. It's just a subtle perversion. It's scary, Glenn. It is very scary. Where it gets scary is you can't contrive somebody five times contact with the gospel. Say that again. Okay. You can't. I, I have a really hard time with contriving that saying, well, if you want to be saved or if you really understand the gospel, you need to sit under this particular person's preaching five times. When I look back at You have trouble with the rule or trouble with that application that it wouldn't be bad if a lost person goes and hears good preaching? It wouldn't be bad. Okay. If the person decided, hey, I want to go, you could recommend, hey, why don't you come back again? Okay. Just to say to them, you need to come back five, four more times after now. Dude, I would have been out the door if they told me that then. But you see that line, there are verses, I believe, something about a chicken there again, but where it would say compel them. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be that bad about something that serious to compel somebody to come, but doing some weird mind control trick is across a line. It gets into witchcraft. You know, isn't there a verse that says that the definition of witchcraft, where I learned it in some circle, was... To usurp counterfeit spiritual authority. Yes. And so I don't know. Here, here's here's an, an agony, an agonizing question I walk around with before the Lord, honestly, is how much is our part versus his part? Because at this cult, they talked all day long about the sovereignty of God, how you can't just wake yourself up. You, If God doesn't draw you, you're never going to even know that you're lost. Right. But yet they would insist upon using witchcraft, like what you're saying, to mind control somebody. You know what it is? It's a more eloquent version of evangelism by sword. It is. And what's interesting is that a lost person can smell that from a mile away. Yeah. You didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there were so many different things that were going on. And before my conversion, that was Coca-Cola moment. <laughs> before before my conversion, 
God had already arranged other things in my life outside of them where I started to see my sin and started to look towards him. So go figure that God would use even cultically inclined personality disordered Voldemort wizards in the beauty of your own confusing conversion. Well, he knew that the gospel was being preached there. Yeah. That's where I needed to go. There's no question about that. And it was being preached, but being undermined at the same time. At the same time. Hmm. So that was the best place for me to go to get the rest of the story. Yeah. And that's a sad state of the church in the United States right now. And a lot of people that I've been talking to <laughs> after this show. You get, you get seriously ministered to by cults and heavy metal. You're a sad sack. God's but no, like, that shows okay, the state of the church. That guy over there, yeah. what would get to that guy? Um, let's see. Uh, and not just heavy metal, gothic metal. <laughs> God is good, Glenn. I'm strange, all right? I, I can't help it. I am who I am. That's really as, good. As I look at my skull over there with a raven on top of it oh, yeah. in the studio. <laughs> and there's a menorah behind it, too. Oh, Glenn. <laughs> the Lord broke the mold. You got yeah. angels that are just like guardian angel just shaking his head going, how did I get this assignment? You know, on the other side, all of a sudden, an angel's going to come up and just like give you an uppercut. And that's for all the times. <laughs> I'll tell you, those are angels though that are assigned to me they get to rock yeah they do they're like <laughs> they have a rocking good time <laughs> what was that? that kid's movie oh emperor's new groove and he's got the angel and the devil and he's like he's gonna show you the path of righteousness i'm gonna show you the path that rocks <laughs> there's something you said about the narcissistic personality disorder that is it's not that somebody decides hey i'm gonna be a narcissist <laughs> Uh, you know, what, Timmy. What do you want to be when you grow up? A fireman? No, I I'd like to be a narcissist. I'd like to. I'd like to be a malignant narcissist that leaves a wake of destruction in my wake. <laughs> they don't just wait. It's it's a personality flaw. It's part of the fall. I have disorders. Nerdy definition time. Yeah, a psychopath. From what I have gleaned mm -hmm. in my studies, is someone that is born that way yes a sociopath is somebody that. that by the nature of their environment was induced let's say they were abused or something happened so they become very narcissistic very abusive very lacking of empathy by what's around them mm -hmm. so psychopath that one and there's one more but i can't remember go ahead so you have this we all of us dan and i included have certain aspects of our personality that have been deeply affected by the fall and some of those aspects that have been deeply affected are some of our giftings that we have. Example in point, you call me the bulldozer. Why do you call me the bulldozer? You're a dozer. It's like when you start in on something, you just, you're like linear horsepower. Okay. And you're like, and you're just going to keep going until you're like, no, we have this planned at 430 and March the 4th. And you just get things done and you, okay. you just do that. There is nothing wrong about that in and of itself. God uses that. However, what can happen is this, you can be a blockhead. Well, you can't, you can't. This is what I've, what, I've, what I've had to learn the hard way is that the demonic can take that and use that to cause harm. Because I noticed this, that I do have, people have pointed out to me that I am a bulldozer. I have this linear path and I am going for it. But in that, the demonic can come in and pervert that to where I become unempathetic, unrealizing, not realizing what's going on around me, so focused in. But then when I, I've had to mentally make this a marker in my mind that when I feel like I am being crushed and bound by the things that I am doing and they are no longer enjoyable, warning. Because... There's an outside force that's come in and trying to use that to entangle me and make me move away from that. And instead of just refocusing, just be like, okay, I quit. I'm done. Uh, I need to do something else. So would you describe that as when you're releasing something that God put in you, that in your that experience, way. that it would be a pleasurable, not necessarily sensual or, or euphoric, but there would be a natural 
pleasure in releasing what God has put Dan, in you. Dan, every time I hang out with you, it's euphoric. No. <laughs> I mean, I have that effect on tons no, it of starts that way. It animals, starts out as, I think. It starts out as a good, pure, honest release. And then eventually comes down, because when I get in that bulldozer mode, sometimes what happens is that bondage comes in. Now, where I'm going with this is with the narcissistic personality disorder, is that is a weakness in the flesh. And what the dark realm likes to do is come in and play upon that and exploit it so that it affects other people around you. Sarah Beth also brought up the trend that a narcissist will seek out empaths or empathetic individuals to help do their bidding, which I think the fellowship, if you, yeah, definitely, that we were involved in that Mm -hmm. got cultic was made up of a whole lot of empaths. There were a lot of people that had empathy. Because when you talk about being a dozer and kind Mm -hmm. of it could be confused you're very empathetic and you seem very sensitive and very self-questioning that's the antithesis of being narcissistic so you might it is you might get behind the bulldozer and just go power mad for a couple of milliseconds (laughs) we need to do a video of that (laughs) (laughs) we need to rent a bulldozer just for this illustration it's it's interesting that you mentioned the empaths that Sarah Beth was talking about because guess what the title of the new Devin Townsend oh, album is? Nice segue, Glenn. That was a nice segue. Empath. Genesis. Oh, <laughs> what a video! Oh man, <laughs> let me tell you, um, a lot of like just metal fans may go, "Well, that doesn't sound like Iron Maiden, or that doesn't sound like such and such." Well, it's got some techno in there. It's got cats and dogs and flying hot dogs. It's got, it's got all these crazy <laughs> things in it. I love Devin Townsend because of the honesty. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, that's who I believe God speaks through. God, that, he's a rock crying out without question. Because when I started to watch, I started watching that video the other night just before I went to bed. I was like, oh, cool. I got a notification about a new Devin Townsend video. Genesis it made me even more interested. Oh, yeah. And I started playing it. And my wife is laying in bed next to me. She's like, what's that Christian music you're listening to? And you're like, gotcha. I'm like, that's heavy Devi baby. <laughs> yeah. No. And you know what? There's some Christian music and quotes that would not inspire me at all. Right. They may be copycat and God bless them. You got to start somewhere, but they may be doing this. That guy is looking around at the universe around him. I don't know if he claims to believe in God. I don't know, but he's curious. He's open. He's moved. And you, you know what I imagined him being as I was listening and watching that video, mm-hmm. what? a tuning fork. Oh, that's that good. when he is stricken by the world around him, by mm-hmm. his observation, right? Right. And that affects his psyche. God has got this resonance. He was made by God. He is walking around in this earth by God's grace, by God's design. Because he's an empath. Yes. And he's plagued with self-doubt. I mean, he goes into mm-hmm. I've never heard Devin... In the interviews, great interviews, great interviewer. Canadians are really kind of cool. They are. Even when they fight. <laughs> I watched <laughs> oh, yeah, ADD moment. I watched this video. I sent it to my daughter, and it's these um, these three bears, like a mama bear and t- real bears, in the backyard of this Canadian guy. And it's like, here's how Canadians get rid of bears. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm going to need you guys to move on, okay? Thank you. And the bears walk off, and he goes, Appreciate you stopping by. Because <laughs> even when they fight or have conflict, they're like, you know, yeah, they're polite about yeah. it. They're like, you know, would you like a Molson before I deck you? <laughs> would you like me to hit you on the left side or the right? You know, I, I don't want to like do any more damage than what you got genetically going on there. You well, know, how about about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the fact that. He, He's was really vulnerable going, I, I don't know whether to, to, to put this out or to not put this out or what the fans are going to think of it. And he's like sitting there trying to please the fans, but trying to 100% release what he's receiving from the muse in quotes. Yep. Right. And it's like, how do you, I, I, you know what I thought about right after the tuning fork? I thought, what is an expression of man that is not simply just bastardized nature of what God put in him. And I started thinking some of it was creepy because it was like the worst crimes, the worst things that were were done. It is a perversion of what God put in us. 
Mm-hmm. If some somebody's abusing somebody else or somebody turns into a dictator, well, God put Adam in dominion over some things. Right. And it's a perverse dominion, but some of that was in sexual immorality. God put that in, it, but it can go astray and get perverted. Everything can be and has been perverted in one way, shape, or form. And from the time we started this recap, I think we've been talking about perversion. And that's the perversion, the narcissism. There might be in the narcissist, there might be some desire to help people. Uh, that's just a natural thing that's in most most people, but it gets perverted, and that perversion comes through through the dark forces from the other side playing upon the mind and the heart of that person where that weakness in the flesh is. So it's important for all of us, all of us, and we're not bashing the individuals that we were speaking about. Voldemort. I was. I was mashing heads. No, I'm kidding. No. God bless everybody. We're not. We're not. All of us have to be mindful that we have personality flaws. We have thorns in the flesh. Paul was aware of his thorn in the flesh that the enemy can play upon that can do the opposite for the gospel. You ever kind of have a list that you're like, oh, ooh, like a second you get into heaven, you're like, oh, okay, before we go into there and do all of that, can, <laughs> can you delay that judgment thing you got going on? I got a couple of questions. What was Paul's thorn in the flesh? A little yeah, gossip, that, little, that little salacious. Oh, and the mark of Cain. Can you can you where did Cain get his wife? Um, get, yeah. Right, exactly. Uh. No, but that's a good point. There is that the the perversion. There's all. It's just amazing what links the enemy will go to to stop freedom, because when somebody's cultic or if it's evangelism by sword. It's not an authentic expression. No. If I'm like, recant, or I will off with thy head, and you say some some trite phrase, I believe this because I'm going to lose my head. When freedom abounds and passion and loving service to the Lord abounds, think about what we do and think about how that resonates. And that's the same authenticity that I think God looks for, even with these, let's say, lost or people that don't profess, that don't know Christ, um, he's speaking through these people that have that authenticity and that passion in place. Devin Townsend is not naming something Genesis because he's not curious about God's creation. He can try yeah. to avoid fundamentalism. He may have a total distrust and distaste for what he would consider to be Bible thumpers. And I'm not trying to get inside his head. I don't know. All I know is from his art and right. what I've heard in interviews. But when he approaches those things, let me tell you, there's a universe out there that needs explaining. Mm -hmm. There's life and death that needs explaining. There's the questions embedded in my own psyche about moral law written on my heart. There's, There's the questions about life, death, eternity. Where did this all come from that plague us day and night? Totally. And he's honest in his response to it. He is. And his video is very effective because after I watched it several times yesterday, you know what I went out to the store to buy for dinner last night? What? Hot dogs. Because of the floating hot hot dogs. dogs. (laughs) No, that's, you know, it's really good. If you haven't checked out Devin Townsend, um, a couple of my favorite things that he plays are live in the Royal Albert Hall. He does deadhead. Mm-hmm. Okay, and some of his lyrics aren't going to be family friendly, right? You know that if you're listening to us. Mm-hmm. A lot of heavy metal's <laughs> not. So if if you're underage, whatever, don't offend your parents. Ask for permission. Um, there may be an f bomb. Put it that way every once in a while. But Deadhead is amazing. Sends chills down my spine. Grace, Grace with An- Annika. I believe it's yep, Annika. Annika. Oh, what a She's voice! She's coming to the states in October. Oh wow. Well, I just Devin Townsend. Nevermore, Devin Townsend, some of my favorite metal. Uh, just And his new stuff, it's whack. It's beyond metal. It's a smoothie of a whole a lot of lot. stuff. Did you notice the little disco in there? That was, I that did. was cool. I like that. I like that. And I really appreciated that he was insecure in putting it out. Mm-hmm. Not, not because, you know, that's the way I want my preachers to be. Insecure in the way they put it out. Yeah, like are are not self believing. Mm-hmm. They're sitting there trying to glean, quote, the muse. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the Lord. Right. What the Lord is inspiring to say. But I I want to hear a preacher that's like, there's a lot of mystery here. 
I don't have it all figured out. If I see some preacher that looks all tidy with everything, no, what you need to understand is, son, and I was that satanic sign. I hear that stuff, and I'm like, it freaks me out, man. I have a little PTSD from being in a cult, and it's like I, I want to hear somebody that gets it. I don't want to. No, that could never be God. What God appreciates is is saloon music from the 1870s. That's what it's God. Heavy metal. And it's like, no, that's ridiculous. God made the platypus. Come on, mm-hmm. people. That's my whole argument. The platypus. There right? you go. It's going to be my book. I think the greatest moves of God have come from the people that are self-doubting. Very few, if any, and I'd have to look and our listeners can correct us if we're wrong, that there was anybody who got up in front of anybody who said, well, and I'm talking New Testament, Moses was a little bit of a different story. And he even he was very meek in the way that he did things saying, well, I am the chosen of God to bring this message. And those who exclusively follow me are the only ones who are going to make it. God doesn't work through that. Right. That's a warning sign. Well, I appreciated about Moses too. And this goes back to the cult and something that I actually said to Voldemort. And Everybody gets it. If you don't know who Voldemort is, he's a wizard. Okay, he's a wizard that you weren't even supposed to say his name because you needed to have fear out of the Harry Potter movies. Are we supporting all that? I don't know. We don't care what you watch. You have to make that decision. But we're referring, because the guy that we're referring to, he's not the center of the world. He's not the center of this podcast. In fact, he's part of a cliché. Mm-hmm. That's a global cliche that every cult has somebody like the Voldemort that was in our life. Every one of them. You're not unique. You're 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 something that's you're like a ham sandwich, bro. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Well, what point was I having? Um, Moses. Moses. Okay. The thing. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you for your linear my linear. I'm, I'm over here dozing. Yeah, Got my construction dozing. helmet on yes. and everything. Right. Mm-hmm. The thing that I really appreciate about Moses is when he said, "How are they going to believe me?" They're not going to believe. I'm just a man. How are they going to believe me? And he had to trust on God doing something. He threw the serpent down or threw the cane, the staff down and it turned into a serpent. And then he picked it up again. Do you remember one of the phrases that Voldemort would use with someone that was thinking about leaving or starting to doubt him was, are you willing to follow me into the desert, even unto death? And you know what my response to him was when he asked me that? You laughed. I said, are you Moses? And there it just go. brought a very awkward pause. But I meant it thinking about, look, is and I remember comforting myself because even then when we were walking out the door, there was still, I had random emotions that were like, what if I'm doing the wrong thing? What am I doing to the gospel? What if I'm sending my kids in, into a place where they'll go to hell and can't receive the gospel? There was there was things. Yep. You know, you get hit yep. with things. No, you're right. I remember comforting myself going, look, God was willing to do an outlandish, magical looking miracle to vanquish the doubts of the people that had to follow him even unto death in the wilderness, mm-hmm. okay? And I'm like, did God ever do that with this guy? No, he didn't. But he said he did. Voldemort the raising said of the dead. that he did? The raising of the dead. His, oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. And he made out like he heard from God, like, you know, it basically like face to face. And if you could ever get to that point of obedience, you could know God the way that I do. That's, a, that's almost direct quoting. Yeah, you're right, because I, I heard it too couple things that I took some notes on when listening to what we were talking about the other day with Sarah Beth. First thing is the spirit of Jezebel. Remember how that was thrown around all over the place there? Yes. All right. Oh, your wife, you need to get your wife into submission because she's being a Jezebel. And it was always ascribed to the women. Well, here's an interesting Muppet news flash. All right. Spirit of Jezebel does not just affect women, it also affects men. And it's a controlling spirit of witchcraft. So what was going on there, of course, hindsight is always 2020, and it I just figured this out about a year ago what was going on, is that he was deflecting. He was operating in the spirit of Jezebel yeah. for control and power. So there was a lot of deflection there. And the other thing too was the deflection towards other false pastors and ministers. And I mean, it was open game and I still don't agree with the prosperity preachers, but everything was deflected to the outside. All right. 
Remember, he would send us out to speak against other ministries? Yes. All right. Dude, if we really took the time and examined and we're not preoccupied and and just are just hoodwinked by the deflection, it would have been over for him. Because everything that the scripture talks about with the false shepherds and the false pastors in the book of Jeremiah, the brood of vipers, that's what was going on there. So it was all, hey, don't look what's going on over here. Hey, I'm stealing this over here. Oh, look at those bad people over there. Yeah. It was all deflection. That's that, That's all it was. But the spirit of Jezebel run rampant. So when somebody really starts accusing others of operating in a particular spirit, more than likely it's that person operating in that spirit themselves. And that goes back to what, what did Jesus say about taking the huge sequoia tree out of your <laughs> eye before you go for that little speck of uh, splinter in the other person's yeah, eye? Yeah, there's, there's something about that yeah. one. Yep, yeah, there is. There is. So well, that, that was... One of the most glaring things that I think if, if you're in a questionable ministry right now, and um, Glenn, let's talk about exclusivity for oh, a yeah. few moments. Okay. There's a there's this thing called exclusivity, which can have a subtle, captivating effect on people that are in cultic churches that are abusive. Exclusivity is gradually you're going to start, whether it's spoken or not. Okay, a lot of times it's not spoken out loud. They're not going to say we're the only ones. I'm the only. It, we in an unspoken way, Glenn. It was unspoken but understood that unless you were pretty much hearing his preaching, you were going to have a hard time. It was a famine land and the rain was only falling in certain places. And it was like a 95% chance that if you're under somebody else's preaching, the miracle of being illuminated and convicted and being able to actually be converted and saved to Christ, it was not going to happen. They wouldn't have said that. That would have been too ineloquent. Right. Right. To say that, yeah, I'm the only one. I'm I'm Jim Jones and give me all your money and I'm on I'm gonna get your wife eventually. You know, if it was like that, people would be like, I think something's funny going on here. Right. It'd be right. obvious. Mm-hmm. But it was not spoken out loud, but that exclusivity was there, basically implying we're the only ones that have the truth. Okay. I think of all different cults and sects, they all have a story. Oh, um, there is a need for reformation. Yes. And then somebody uncovers the secret. Oh, well, the rest of the churches aren't obeying the Sabbath, and we're the only ones that really interpret it correctly. Oh, the rest of the churches didn't know that, um, you know, Joseph Smith found this secret stone, and now he can read this hieroglyphs and get the secret knowledge that, so we're the only ones that are right and everybody else is off. It's the pattern. It's a cliche, man, over and over and over again. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Dan. I love correcting you. All right, you're going to rebuke me. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, I'm going to get rebuked today for oh, doing yeah. that. Was, that was constant. Wounds of a friend, bro. Yeah. Um, following Jesus, the truth, has nothing to do with the church organization. That would merit saying again. Okay. Following Jesus, the truth, the gospel has nothing to do with the organization. Like you were saying, certain churches saying, oh, well, we, we observe the Sabbath this way. This is what our organization says. So our organization is, is correct. Your organization is not correct. What I've noticed in some people that I've been talking to is that this issue of spiritual abuse is more widespread that I think you and I even realized before we did those two podcasts, because people that have been getting in touch with us, it's going on all over the place. It's it's a lot. But then they wind up in other church. Remember Sarah Beth? She went from one church that was bad, the one that we were at, to another one. Okay, what 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 are the odds of that? Unless it's it's really more prevalent than what we thought it was. I think that actually she kind of needed that or was drawn to that because that's what you've been going on. You, what you draw doing. comfort right. out of that abuse a little bit, you know, but, but you the, need a legalism. You do. And then I've got other people that have reached out to us uh, that have said that, yeah, I was in two situations like that myself. Now I'm in another church, but it's not so great there. They're not happy with the organization. So I think what's happened is that the focus has become the organization itself instead of just following Jesus. 
I think that's absolutely true. It's about and it doesn't mean that a church could not be very functional in bringing you to Christ and that it would be important as far as bringing you up in in the Lord and helping you become fruitful. But like you said, following Christ personally and not entwined in a corporate following, that's a very, boy, that perversion concept is is huge to describe this. Things that I remembered, like when we go out to eat, when, when you and I go out to eat, Dan, our conversations, we probably have people's minds blown in the booths and the tables next to us after we're, <laughs> you know, discussing different things. But I was at a, okay, I'll admit it. I went to a Dunkin' Donuts. All right. I, I don't eat donuts very often, but I went to a Dunkin' Donuts and I was sitting there eating a donut and drinking some coffee. And there were some church elders, I guess they were behind me talking about things of God. But the focus of their conversation was the electoral system of the church that they're in. And it was a 45-minute conversation. I left, you know, they were still conversing by the time I left. Sounds riveting. About the electoral system. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, that is not what this is all about. This is not it. They're so caught up in the, or and w- again, the corporate system, Dan, is that box. We feel comfortable in that box. We make it a business. And we want to put God in that box. Exactly. Exactly. It's not, not, I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, boxes. No. No, no. And that's not to bash all churches because there are some churches that are out there that are, that are preaching the gospel that are really pursuing the Lord. But those ones that are really doing that, it's a struggle for them. Glenn, top three indicators that would help somebody pick out what you would consider to be a healthy or good church let's 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 okay. think of that we're yeah. brainstorming this is live with no notes we're just thinking about in the things that we have learned i have since post voldemort mm-hmm. i've met ministers that i trust mm-hmm. and that i think have an amazing um, fruitfulness and a calling and they have certain attributes humility mm-hmm. definitely yep um i guess that would cover what we were calling self-doubt because they're not talking about um, being unstable like wind and wave and all your ways right mm-hmm. we're talking about somebody that would sit there and go no they doubt themselves they're not doubting the doctrine of christ or, no no um what else can you think of something else that would describe a a good shepherd one that lets you be yourself and move in your experiment and practice your giftings without trying to interfere how would we condense that? Let's condense that down. So humility. Freedom to express. Freedom. Freedom. Freedom to express. Okay. That you would find humility and freedom to to live your life before the Lord, to hear from the Lord. And folks, we're not talking about childish rebellion. We're not talking no. about, oh, well, if he, I wanted green color carpet and the pastor went for red and I'm being abused. You're not, Cupcake. Yes. Get over it. Another um, characteristic of a good, healthy church is not arm bending and arm twisting and giving. So in other words, they don't use witchcraft to fill the coffers. Exactly. They don't use worldly marketing. I remember, won't mention the name of the ministry, but I remember it was one that I had a respect that they believed the same gospel, you know, about God's grace. And when I would see their fundraising letters, it was the most manipulative wizardry I think I've ever seen. And I'm like, I wouldn't give them one red cent based off of that. Again, it goes to the corporate box. There is a reality of, Hey, if we're going to do this and we're going to do get this big, we got to pay the light bill. How are we going to pay for the new family life center? Exactly. Or I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to be doing this and, but this ain't paying the bills. Well, here you go. All right. Um, Humility. Yeah. A place of freedom and a place where delicate, righteous judgment is performed and unrighteous judgment is hardly even present. Yeah. I think that's important. And some of these overlap, we're just coming up on these, but if you, uh, when you see a good shepherd, that good shepherd is not going to cast you off for something outward or peripheral 
um, if you come in there and you you've still got problems in your life, mm-hmm. a true shepherd's gonna really love yeah. on you. They are, they are. Remember the radio police. Oh yes, yes, the radio police. <laughs> what are you I was like, which to band? On the radio? Which band was that? Oh yeah, I pulled up to a pastor's home back in uh, Voldemort's Fun Park, and I remember just didn't say anything, just jumped in the passenger side and just turned the radio on to listen to what it was. It was on some Christian radio station, but it was like I was like, whoa, you know? Yeah. If it it, it was this uh, judgment, and it gets you malleable. It's your work. You're thinking, oh no, I did something wrong. I did this. Oh, it's disgusting. It was really a trip through memory lane. It wasn't, I know you expressed it, it moved you, and you had a lot of really personal stuff and a lot of tr- tough stuff that happened afterwards. For me, I was like, whoa, I forgot how bad that was, how thick the gaslighting was. It was heavy duty. And I see it so obviously now. Mm hmm. The for anybody that's been in a situation like this and that has left, one of the things that I've been learning is that even though it's been many years since I've been gone and that the Lord has opened up new fresh word to me, new fresh avenues, new fresh ministry, because I've been there so long, what happened was so toxic. We can't downplay it. It's not we're not talking about somebody who's just a little off in the head with some doctrine. All right. And you'd go there and listen to some things that were a little off and then you'd leave on Sunday and then come back next Sunday. We're talking about totally invasive in people's lives. But having been there that long, and this is for anybody in this, in this particular situation, even after you leave, you start to realize how deep the toxicity still runs through your veins. Yes. There are things that, and I'm having to pray this for me and work through this. Why do I react to certain things a certain way? Why do I do? And there is a reality of PTSD. And I'm not saying that, oh, I'm a victim of PTSD. I'm a victim of this. No, it's just the, there's victory. And the victory comes in realizing, realizing those things. Dozers don't get PTSD. <laughs> no, I, I, dozers don't admit to PTSD. There, that, is no, that is, is profound right there. Yeah. I know that that's one thing. I went home after our podcast with Sarah Beth and I talked to my wife and I'm like, I was talking mutually about how easily we could get into unscriptural judgments mm-hmm. against one another. We're yes. supposed to be friends, be on the same team. And you know what I appreciate about my friendship with you? and other close believers is that I can really be myself yeah, and think that, okay, Glenn's not going to sit there and go like, Oh, that guy is just the spiritual aroma off that dude. And then not hang out with me. Right. And I'm not talking about like, if I'm, you know, you know, on my way to a strip club and you're, you're going to go, Hey, Hey, what are you doing? You know, you'd get in my face over plenty of things. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to just living your life preferences, things that would be extra biblical, you're going to be meek and and humble and friendly and and not judgmental you know and that's a beautiful thing and that sort of fellowship that's what you're looking for in a friend somebody that if you're going to make a really bad decision mm-hmm. if you're going to go back with your old friends and get back on methamphetamine or, or do you need somebody that'll stand up to you that'll be strong oh, you do. but is going to do it in a loving humility that would not want to judge you because they're obsessed with the outward and blind um to the inward they have no eyes to see selfishness control avarice all these things but boy they'll see if you listen to that heavy metal they'll see if you're um you know and that's that's what i was gonna say there's a difference between dan stopping me from walking into a strip club right than saying, oh, you, you're probably not saved because you like gothic heavy metal. Yeah. Or you country line dance on or the you weekends. Country line da- or you drive, you drive a Ford. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know, Glenn. You know what? Let's get oh, out there. Remember? Uh, no. Let's I, get that, Strong's out. Okay. Make sure we haven't violated yeah. a scriptural Here's a tenet. Point. Here's a point, though. You remember We there, are in the Bible Belt. Be this careful. This is how ridiculous it was. Remember, everybody had to have an Apple computer. You could not have a PC. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. It was all about, oh, you've got a PC. Well, those, you need to get an Apple. And there was this big thing. You need to do this. And everybody that, to be spiritual, you had to have an Apple computer. Now, I love Apple computers, and there are reasons why people should have Apples. But I've got, I don't know how many PCs laying around here. 
And I remember when I had my business there, I had to have a PC so I could communicate with Word documents to the rest of the world that had, that's what connected business, yeah. you know? It's like, uh, yeah, I got to kind of do these things to, you know, be able to do this. But, you know, there were stupid things like that. It's like Apple PC, who cares? Here's something that I've thought about. When you misinterpret the role of a pastor, you misunderstand when it says, obey them that have the rule of authority over you. Okay. Mm -hmm. In the book of Hebrews. Yep. And you misinterpret that particular word. And you interpret that to mean magistral, governing, government, okay, military. Right. It does not mean that. Not in any sense of the word. It's been hashed out for like 500 years. But when you misinterpret that, here's what happens. When all of a sudden you say that in the human, I'm in sin unless I obey my magistrate. My, my pastor has now become my governor. It creates a manifold tidal wave of new sin. Mm -hmm. So now wearing a baseball cap, which is not sinful, right? I mean, if you beat somebody up and stole it, right? And <laughs> it might be <laughs> That's sinful. A different story. Or if it's got anything to do with um, Clemson. No, I'm just or kidding. Or if it's a Boston Red Sox <laughs> baseball cap. I don't know. We don't, we're not even into sports. <laughs> we're trying to get real about sports. That ain't going to happen. I don't care. I don't but, have time for sports. I don't either. So, But if you were wearing a baseball cap, okay, that's not in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not wear a baseball cap, right? No. But if all of a sudden your human governing authority, I remember at the age of 36, I got it snatched off my head in a talking to for wearing a baseball cap. I remember that now. Okay. And I'm sitting there and I remember then, because remember, I'm more birdie fingers out. Like, I'm just like, dude, what What do you, I have trouble restraining sometimes, you know, and mm -hmm. I can get angry. I can, and I remember just going, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And holding this stuff down and going like, I'm 36 years old. I'm a hardworking man. You just jerked a baseball cap. I'm out in a parking lot in a public place, but it was not acceptable to Voldemort. No. And when I think back at that, what it did was if I had been like, grab my baseball cap and put it back on, I would have been in sin now on something that is not sinful to do. I now would have been outside of faith and in sin. So everything in our life, if I remember getting in trouble for taking a supplement, and I said, I can't believe you're telling me as a grown man, what sort of supplements I did. Don't you have better things to do? And he got really mad. Okay. And then I got in trouble mm -hmm. for having a rebellious attitude and doing all this. But Glenn, think about it. Using a PC over an apple became sin. It Wearing did. a baseball cap became sin. Um, it, when you went to the bathroom or where you moved, oh, you're a little bit out there on the edge. If you went to visit family or went on vacation. You had to get permission to go before you, you left. You did. But now think about all those things, which are fine, appropriate, and not unclean, became unclean. So here's what we did. Thinking that we were talking about grace all the time, right? The fun park was even named after grace, right? So it's like you have all this talk about grace, but you have created on the backside this insidious parallel universe where you've just installed lifestyle law on everybody. Is there any wonder why people are going back up to the altar and getting saved every week? And that was another thing is that the continual doubt of salvation was huge. It was. It was like a revolving door. It's like, man, this is a hard thing. Salvation became really complex in a lot of circumstances. It's like, am I really saved? I remember going through depression. I didn't realize it was depression at the time. As a matter of fact, looking back, I think I exhibited every emotional disorder there was uh, while I was there, not realizing what it was. I thought it was God's judgment on me. That's how I uh, Everyone did. Everybody did. Including wives of elders yes yes going through depression there because doubting am i saved i remember being terrified of not being saved and i remember being terrified of somebody knocking when somebody would knock on the door you remember when we lived in that apartment complex just before you got married you were hanging out with us yeah the roach infested the roach place. infested place yeah and I remember I was taking a nap that afternoon. I was afraid to take naps because we were told that if we weren't working, we wouldn't eat. 
we shouldn't eat. All right. Um, I remember I knock at the door. I woke up startled. I was like, I hope it's not one of the pastors. I'm here taking a nap at home. How ridiculous is that? Absolutely. And I remember at that time being terrified of not being saved. And that's not how God wants you to live. If you, it's between you and the Lord. He's going to make that very clear to you. If that's something that you're concerned about, if you are, if you're not saved. Well, I got some uh, emails from some of our listeners uh, from the last episode that we did with Sarah Beth. No way, Ted. We have listeners. <laughs> We're not just talking to the wall here. It's <laughs> it's amazing. I feel a little bit more important. Got this one. I'm going to leave this anonymous. It's somebody who's listening that I know that I didn't know was listening. So I really need to watch myself now. Um, this is what he wrote. He said, I just finished your spiritual abuse podcast. Riveting. I was in two churches like that. One was charismatic in Texas. The other one was an independent fundamental Baptist church in South Carolina. So this led me to email him back and say, hey, did that church happen to have the name blah, 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 blah in South Carolina? He's like, no, but we were looking at one in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, that was blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, that's the one. Uh, Good thing you didn't go because that would have been a living nightmare. So he was spared from that. And we really hope that the people that are listening to this rolls into the next email that we got. We got it from our friend Shane Todd from Brotherhood Band. Love that guy. Love that band. Uh, He just says, hey, man, I just need to say the interview with Sarah Beth is fascinating. It's awesome that you guys gave her somewhere to tell her story. I'm praying it saves someone's life. And that's the exact reason why we're doing this. It's not to bash a group or a person, man. We pray for them. God bless them. You know, God bless them. I can agree with that. It took me years to get to that point. I'll be honest. But but, uh, God bless them. And I like his last statement here. Keep being real. That sounds like a good name for a podcast, yeah, doesn't it? And, and it God does. bless. And then our friend Audrey, who inspired the Satanic Cyanide edition, <laughs> we, she's probably going to be asking for royalties yeah, on she's that. Like, right? Here, please use a fake name, <laughs> a pseudonym. A pseudonym. She uh, wrote excellent podcast today. I've been looking forward to this. I've been hoping and wondering whether you guys plan to talk about this on the podcast. Yes, we were. It just took us some time to be able to get ready to do that but the timing had to be right yeah it's it not just something we could jump into uh, i'm praying for god to use this and i'm so eager to hear more so yep there's there's more coming uh we've got some some really cool stuff coming up um there's a gentleman on instagram that started following us after this edition of spiritual abuse his uh username is wounds that heal 316 and he basically, through Instagram, through memes and pictures and inspirational quotes, really ministers to people who have been abused through narcissistic leaders. And I asked him, I was like, hey, dude, would you be interested in maybe coming on the podcast and talking a little bit more about, because I'm not an expert in narcissism, don't want to be either. Um, but uh, you had he, 12 years hands-on. Hands-on experience. <laughs> but he said he'd, he'd, he'd like to do that. So we're going we're gonna to att- uh, hit this topic more because this problem is more prevalent than we'd like to think. And it affects a lot of people. And it, it's a poison. And really what these spiritual leaders that are doing are doing that are doing this is they're shutting up heaven from the people. They're, they're closing off heaven. They're blocking people's relationships with the Lord. And that is something that the Lord hates. He really does. It does get in between. It does. I remember, and I've said it before, that the scripture smelled like somebody's armpit. Yep. You know, so um, So, it took me years to start reading the scripture freely again and being able to to feel like I was uh, not hearing those uh, manipulations. Exactly. And if there's anybody that would like to talk to us more about this uh, spiritual abuse, or if you've been in a similar situation and you want to share your story, you can contact us through our website at lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y at uh, gmail.com. That's our email. Uh, The website is lithoscry.com, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y.com. Dan, I think we need to um, move reach on. Out, and re- touch safe. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, <laughs> a little Depeche mode. All right. We'll see you guys later.